good to be here. My name is Rob Hamilton. If we haven't met before, uh, I've preached here at Live Oak several times, but uh, maybe you weren't here. I just want to introduce myself. Uh, I was in pastoral ministry full-time uh, for about 17 years, and then recently God called me to move into Christian counseling and started a Christian counseling practice here in town called the Hope Center. Uh, and Brian uh, has asked me to come and to speak today. And he happened to give me a passage out of Matthew 6. You guys are going through the Gospels in order. And uh, this passage happens to actually deal with worry, which is something that a lot of people deal with in, in some degree. And sometimes it kind of gets out of hand and turns into a problem uh, in our lives. And it's also related to something that, that I've dealt with personally and that I deal with a lot in counseling that is called anxiety. So uh, Jesus talks specifically about worry, which is kind of an overlap issue with anxiety. They're not really identical, but they are definitely related. And so I wanted to take the opportunity today to talk to you guys about anxiety and worry uh, and how faith can help us uh, deal with those issues. Uh, in case you think, well, I can tune out because, you know, I don't deal with anxiety and my mental health is great and uh, that's just kind of other people that struggle with that thing. Let me give you a couple of statistics from some reports that have come out recently about the effect on our mental health of the situation in our country right now. I think you can all uh, relate to uh, the stress that, that people are under right now. A National Institutes of Mental Health study found that one in five Americans is living with some form of mental illness. Now think about that. Let's stop for a second. One in five. That means that if this room is any kind of representative sample of our culture, one in five people in this room right now are dealing with some kind of mental illness, whether it be severe or kind of moderate. One in five. I saw another study recently uh, that showed that uh, one out of six Americans entered therapy or counseling for the first time in 2020. That's for the first time, one in six Americans. A recent CDC report showed that overall 40%, actually almost 41% of respondents reported at least one adverse mental or behavioral health condition, including symptoms of anxiety and depression, which was the highest one reported. 40% of Americans. And the, the group that was most at risk, that had the most prevalent mental health problems, was the bracket of age 18 to 25. Age 18 to 25. And a recent Gallup poll showed that Americans recently rated their mental and emotional well-being the lowest since 2001 when this annual poll was started. So mental health is a big issue right now. It's a big problem with the effects of the coronavirus, the quarantine, uh, the political turmoil, the social unrest. Life is just pretty stressful right now, and it's affecting all of our mental health to some degree. And one of those big issues that people are dealing with right now is the issue of anxiety, which Jesus speaks to in our passage this morning. And so let me read this passage and then let me give a little overview of anxiety, then go back to Jesus' teaching on dealing with worry in particular, and then we'll make some applications uh, to our life from 
Jesus' teaching. So let's listen to Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. If you have your Bibles here or if you access the scriptures on your phone uh, or you can read along on the screen with me. Let's give attention to God's word. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you'll wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let's pray. Oh God of peace, I pray that you would uh, speak to us now through this passage of Scripture. We are thankful for this teaching that Jesus has given us, and we're thankful for this time to come together, to sit under your word, to hear from you. We pray that you give us open ears and open hearts now to hear your spirit speaking to us. And Lord, I pray in particular for anybody who might be struggling with excessive worry or anxiety, that they would find peace from you and that they would find some wisdom with how to cope with it in a way that glorifies you. In Jesus' name, amen. So let's talk about anxiety just for a minute, about what anxiety is, what it looks like, and what it's like for people who experience it. That's a huge topic that we could give a seminar that would last till five o'clock this afternoon uh, if we wanted to. And so I'm just going to have to oversimplify and kind of summarize and, and boil it down for us. But anxiety is the experience related to fear in its most basic form, right? Anxiety is related to fear. It's a psychophysiological disturbance. That means it is mental and physical. It's a psychophysiological disturbance called by, caused by excessive worry and or stress. So it's a disturbance we experience physically, mentally, and emotionally. There are mental symptoms, emotional symptoms, but also physical symptoms. And the three of those things interact. Sometimes the physical symptoms trigger the emotional ones. Sometimes the emotional ones trigger the physical ones. Sometimes the mental trigger the physical and back and forth, okay? And so the sense of fear that drives those, that set of symptoms in us is what we mean by anxiety. There's a great book I would recommend to you. It's not the only good one. It's probably one of the best that I would start with. Um, written by a Christian psychologist named Archibald Hart. If this is a particular struggle for you, uh, it's called The Anxiety Cure, which is a little bit of an ambitious title, but that's what he called it, Archibald Hart, uh, The Anxiety Cure. And I'm going to be fairly dependent on uh, a lot of what he writes in that book in what I'm telling you right now, just so you know. 
Um, he says that anxiety is this kind of situation. It's high adrenaline caused by overextension and stress that depletes the natural tranquilizers and sets the stage for high anxiety. So he sees anxiety as related to stress and a lot of pressure and getting our adrenaline pumping, uh, and then it creates this breakdown in our thinking and in our experiencing. One uh, dictionary has said that anxiety is an experience of looming dread, of impending danger, or a vague uneasiness. Symptoms of mild agitation, racing thoughts, impaired sleep, uh, difficulty calming oneself. There's sustained muscle tension and or trembling, increased heart rate, and disturbed breathing. There's heightened awareness and alertness that can disturb concentration, memory, and a person's ability to feel emotionally comfortable. Now, some of you, as you read that, you were like, yeah, that's, I know what that's like. I've experienced that. Some of you will be like, wow, man, that sounds kind of serious. And it can be. But anxiety is something everybody experiences to one degree or another. A certain amount of anxiety or worry is normal in life. When it becomes a problem is when it becomes excessive or chronic. And what Jesus gives us in this passage is, is teaching and wisdom to help us to know how to handle both and to keep what is normal worry or anxiety from becoming a huge problem. Now, I want to speak for just a minute about mental health in the church because I feel like this is personally something I'm passionate about and something I believe God has uh, partly called me to. Um, Christians, believe it or not, are actually pretty prone to anxiety um, for a couple reasons. But again, referencing Archibald Hart, he says this, Christians are prone to anxiety because of the pressure we feel trying to live good lives, and that can cause severe anxiety problems. Being good by relying on your own resources is a lost cause, and the harder we try in our own strength, the more our lives become stressful. So sometimes I would say not just Christians, but people that are kind of religious can struggle with anxiety as we feel this pressure to do everything just right and to have our life all together and to live a good life. And so Christians do struggle with anxiety, but most people don't talk about it in the church, especially pastors. In fact, research shows most people do, that attend church have never heard their pastor either preach on mental health or even talk about it, much less confess their own struggles with it. And what message that sends to us is that the church isn't a place where you bring that stuff or where you deal with that stuff. Go over there, get a counselor, go to therapy, uh, kind of fix it, get it together, then you can come back and kind of be a part of the fellowship. Or it sends this message that if you struggle with some form of mental health, you're different, you're weak, that it's, it's kind of this uh, judgment on your spiritual life. There's a lot of guilt and shame for people who experience mental health problems, if you don't believe me, uh, ask someone in the church who does struggle with mental health what it's like to be in the church with mental health, if they'll even admit to you that they have it. <laughs> because they probably will be hesitant to trust you to open up and say, yeah, I struggle with mental health or someone in my family does. So just trust me. 
that it's an issue that we need to destigmatize in the church. And like with anxiety, it's, it's the same with many other issues. You don't really get it till you get it. You don't really get it till you get it. If someone's struggling with excessive worry and anxiety, someone who has never had it or never struggled with it, their response is going to be to super spiritualize it or to minimize it and to say things like, well, just pray more. Or here's a Bible verse. And if you just read this Bible verse, think about what that means. You wouldn't have worry. So I want to tell you as a pastor, personally, I have struggled with generalized anxiety disorder and panic anxiety disorder. Some of you might go, oh, I wish you wouldn't share that. That's kind of personal. But I feel called personally to share that, that God wants me to share with people just to break the stigma that while I was a pastor even, and especially while I was a pastor, I was struggling with generalized anxiety disorder and, and panic disorder. I believe that it needs to be spoken about and mentioned from the pulpit. I think that we need to talk about it in the church because I just read that one in five people are struggling with something and yet we never seem to talk about it in the church. And because of that stigma, I used to not want to talk about it. I was afraid to admit it because I was worried about what some of you thought or what you thought that meant about my spiritual life and I'm getting to the point where I care less and less about that because I also am having much more experience with people who experience mental illness, but also have a deep Christian faith. And you know what? There's things that I have experienced in terms of comfort and mercy and closeness with God that is, have been a result of my anxiety that you are not going to experience because you haven't had anxiety. And, and in some ways, I kind of pity you for that. I'm putting it in extreme terms just so we can flip the stigma a little bit. Those who struggle with depression, they're going to know something about what it means to walk with God in a dark place that some of you never will. And all that is to say that mental health struggles are real, that they aren't always the a sign of just you not trying harder or you not having strong enough faith or you having enough vibrant spiritual life. They are a part of living in a fallen world and they do not hinder the grace of God from being expressed and displayed in our lives. And so if me, if me publicly saying that I have struggled personally with anxiety can help someone in this room feel more open and free to talk about it and find help, then I'm willing to do that. Even if you think less of me as a Christian or as a pastor, I'm starting to settle into that and be okay with that. I'm not, I don't really care anymore. Uh, I mean, if you're wrong, I'm trying to not let it bother me as much. Just a couple types of anxiety. There's panic anxiety, panic attacks, right? And out of nowhere, you'll feel like you can't breathe, like you think you're having a heart attack. There's a tightness in your chest. You feel dizzy. You, it, when you were kids growing up, did you ever scare your brother or sister when they walk around the corner and go, boo, you know? And that, that feeling of being scared, a panic attack is like that split second where you feel scared, but it sticks for about 30 to 90 minutes. And trust me, just praying and going, Jesus loves me, doesn't just make that go away in the moment, <laughs> okay? But there's panic anxiety that pe people experience. There's generalized anxiety where you feel like there's this cloud always hanging around, this, this looming threat that something's about to go wrong. And it, it's there every hour of every day with you. 
There are phobias. My kids all have phobias of some kind of insect. I feel like the bug man around my house. If a bug is even seen at the other side of the room, they're screaming in mayhem. But in all seriousness, phobias can be terrifying and debilitating for people. They're irrational fears of something in particular. There are social anxieties. Some people having to come into a room like this and have interactions with people is just terrifying. There's agoraphobia, just leaving your house and being out in society. There's OCD. We all know what that is. Obsessive compulsive disorder is a type of anxiety most people think. Um, there's PTSD and acute stress disorder. Um, whenever you feel that your life or personal safety is in intense danger at the moment, you, your body responds with something called post-traumatic stress disorder that has a certain set of symptoms. And then there can be separation anxiety. If someone in your life that is important to you has left or has threatened to leave or you felt they might leave you, there can be a deep sense of anxiety and a fear of abandonment. Children will often experience this. And so this is all just to say, this is kind of what the bigger topic of anxiety is like. Let's look now at the scriptures and see what Jesus says about handling Worry in particular as a form of anxiety because worry is a mental state. And Jesus here is talking about our mental state and how we think and how that kind of thinking, when it involves worry, can lead to this bigger problem of anxiety. And I just want to say from the beginning, because of all that I've said, his antidote to it is going to be faith but I also don't want us to take that and say, well, see, if you have anxiety, it's because you have little faith or you have a poor life with Christ uh, or something like that to add to people's shame. But I do want to acknowledge that Jesus does keep faith at the center of this particular discussion about worry. So in verse 25, he opens up with his command about uh, worry and he tells us there's no need to worry about your life. There's no need to have anxiety. And, and notice how I'm phrasing that. There's no need to. Because the commands that are in Scripture of do not fear, we have kind of made them into a law, right? And we've said, oh, if you have anxiety, you're breaking a command, you're sinning. Well, that is partly true. Yes, anxiety always has a component of sin to it, but it also sometimes is just our weakness. And when Jesus says, don't worry, he's not trying to add to the legalistic people in the church's list of things that they can condemn people with. He's giving us permission and freedom, saying, because of who I am, because of who your Father in heaven is, you don't need to fear. There is permission to be free of fear and worry about what you're going to eat and what you're going to wear because he's going to take care of you. And so I want you to hear that command, all of you who struggle with anxiety. I want you to hear there's no need to fear. Not another command of how you're failing, but a word from his mercy and compassion. And he says in particular, worry about your life, which in the scriptures is, is actually soul, psyche. We get psychology from this. 
It's the non-material, non-physical part of the human being. We have two parts, body, soul. The soul has all these other parts, the mind, the spirit, um, the thoughts, the emotions, but there's body and soul. And Jesus is saying, don't worry so much about your entire life, your existence, what you will eat or drink in particular, or about the body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? So part of our problem, if we're worried about where our next paycheck is going to come from, if we're going to have enough food, whether we're going to have enough clothes, uh, is we are thinking that the purpose of life is all material, it's all physical, and Jesus is saying life is about so much more than just food and clothing, that our, our soul, as well as our body, has needs, and that life is more than just accumulating things. And in the United States, most of what we worry about is like not just do, will I have something to eat tomorrow or will I have clothes to wear tomorrow, but am I going to have an, a large variety of nice designer clothes that people will approve of in my closet that happens to be 8 by 12? The closet, 8 by 12. You know, or am I going to have a nice car that will in, you know, make other people think I'm successful? Or am I going to be able to eat all the right foods that taste good and will my pantry be full of them? But Jesus is just, he gets right to the heart of things. And he goes, listen, don't worry about whether you're going to eat or drink, which kind of lowers the bar. And if a lot of us would lower the bar in our life, <laughs> that if we have food and clothing, that is enough. All of a sudden, a huge amount of worry goes out the window. If we live more simply, it's a lot more relaxing. But Jesus focuses on that one particular kind of worry. And he sends us to the birds for an answer. And the, the point he's trying to make is this. Instead of worry, trust your Father in heaven to provide. And he says, go look at the birds. And he's, <laughs> in verse 26 and following, he says, they don't sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. So Jesus, this is the Sermon on the Mount. He's sitting outside. He's teaching this famous uh, sermon to the crowd that's come, and there are probably birds nearby, and he actually points to them, uses them as an object lesson. He says, look at the birds and learn something about trusting in God to provide for you so that you don't have to live in such worry. He says, they don't have barns, they don't sow crops, and they don't reap, they don't produce themselves, they don't even have hands, right? They just have to walk around and peck up whatever they can with their, their mouth. And then Jesus says, but your heavenly Father feeds them. And then he uses this reasoning from lesser to greater, and he says, you're way more important to him than birds. And if you'll believe that you are far more important to him than birds, you'll trust that if he's going to feed birds, he is definitely going to feed you. He will provide whatever is needed. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? And then in verse 27, he makes this point. Can anybody add a single day to their life by worry? In the original, it says, can anybody add a cubit, which was an ancient measurement of length from your elbow to your finger? Um, and it was kind of one of the smallest units of measurement. And Jesus is saying, look, with all the worry in the world, can you even add this much length to your lifespan? And what he's getting at is anxiety is completely counterproductive and futile. 
But for most people who struggle with anxiety, I've found that they think it has a purpose. It'll make them better prepared. It'll make them more focused. It'll help them remember to not forget something. It'll uh, help them be more aware of dangers that are coming their way. But Jesus is saying it's not actually purposeful. It's futile. It's pointless. It's worthless. It's a waste of, en- of energy. Somebody has said anxiety is uh, like a rocking chair. It takes a lot of energy, but you go nowhere. And it's true. You sit there kind of rocking back and forth, you know, worried and tense, but it, it's not productive. Jesus says, look, you're not going to make your life safer or longer or less full of trouble by worry. It's a very useless undertaking. Then he sends us to the flowers to learn from them to make this same point. You're important to your heavenly father. He cares about you and he is able to provide and he's promised that he will. Go study, he says, the flowers. And again, he's sitting on the hillside teaching. He probably points to all the flowers and wildflowers, grasses that are growing around everybody. And he says, look at these things. It's like the... These things live for just a little while and then people burn them to cook and to make pottery and other things. Uh, But even Solomon in all his glory wasn't dressed as well as these flowers are. Your father's dressed them beautifully. And, you know, Solomon was the wealthiest king in the Old Testament. Uh, He he had tons of money. He had tons of wisdom. Uh, The nation of Israel is kind of at its peak in terms of prosperity and advancement under his reign and rule. He's David's son. And so Solomon dressed well. But Jesus is saying, even Solomon wasn't dressed as well as these flowers that my, my father has made. And, and then again, he goes, if he's going to dress the flowers beautifully, is he not going to dress you as well? Jesus is not saying, if you care about good clothes or looking nice, that you're sinful or selfish. He, he's just making a point that the flowers are well-dressed because his father takes care of them and he will also clothe you. Will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? And so he shows that little faith does tend to correspond with worry. And that's why sometimes in the Christian community we can say, well, if somebody is worrying and struggling with anxiety, it means their faith is low and they're bad, right? Because that's the implication. They're not good, strong Christians, and, and uh, people don't like to talk about it in the church, but isn't the church supposed to be a place for sinners to come? Even if my anxiety is a result of a lack of faith and sin in my life, even if that's what anxiety is, and I'm convinced it's not that simple. Shouldn't the church be a hospital for sinners where people can come with those struggles and not be excluded or shamed because of it, but supported? and encouraged and accepted, where our faith can grow in the company of other believers so that our worry can diminish. And then he brings it to a climax in verse 33, and he says this. Here's the point. He says, it's about priorities. To deal with your worry, set your priorities. And he says, seek first the kingdom of of God and his righteousness. And then he says, and all these things will be added to you. 
You see, if you put God's kingdom first as the thing you're really seeking, not food, not clothes, not cars, not houses, not degrees, not all the stuff that we as Americans tend to be so consumed with, but if seeking God's kingdom is the first priority, Jesus says you can be assured that Jesus will give you everything else along with it. But if you gain everything else in the world but don't have the kingdom of God, then you have nothing. But if you have the kingdom of God, you have everything along with it. And so if we keep God first, if we are concerned more with what is God's will, then we can trust that God will provide. About 11 or 12 years ago, I felt called to move here from Florida to plant a church here in town, which we did, which meant that at the bottom of the market, remember back, who remembers, we've almost forgotten because how crazy 2020 has been. Remember what 2008 was like, 2009, when nobody could sell their house and everybody was foreclosing? I felt God was telling me to raise $300,000, short sale my house, move with my wife and three kids with one on the way, and try to start a church here in Wilmington. And if I would have approached that decision from the perspective of what, it, what does it cost or how will we eat or what will we wear, I don't think we would have ever come. But for some reason, God gave me the grace at the time to, to ask first, above everything else, what is God's will? What does God's kingdom require? What does he want me to do? And then from that, everything else God provided, and he did. And he was faithful. Putting God's kingdom first in your life truly will make a difference. And it shifts the things we tend to worry about because our priorities are in other things. In verse 32, before that, he had said, the pagans run after all these things, but your heavenly Father knows that you need them. What I know about pagan religion in the ancient world, uh, I would diagnose almost every pagan god with borderline personality disorder. I'm not even kidding. One minute, you're, they're like saying to someone, you're the greatest. The next, they're like, you're the worst and I hate you and you never know which one you're going to get. You were always having to appease the gods and you didn't know if they were mad at you or, and why and what was the right thing you do, had to do. And, and so Jesus is saying, look, to be worried every day about what you're going to eat or drink or just the necessities of life, um, you're kind of living as if the pagan gods are ruling the world. And you need to learn who my Father in heaven truly is, that he's consistent, that he's reliable, that he's trustworthy, that he's good, that he is always going to 